Welcome back to Marlo's Conversations with Friends, topics around well-being. I am Marlo Boyle, founder of Cultivate You. And this session we're going to be talking about uh, is around movement, movement of the body for well-being. And I decided to do an episode like this because movement over the last year during this pandemic uh, has been different for everyone. Some people got hyper-engaged, some people completely moved away from it. Uh, no pun on words, and I have been one who has had movement as a part of my form of well-being my entire life since I was a child. And so I brought together three different friends of mine to talk about movement from uh, Tai Chi to yoga and Qigong. And in between there, uh, finding space to obviously fit in all the other types of general movement, walking, running, swimming, uh, those types of things. And of course, dancing, because I dance all the time on my own. So I just wanted to have that space uh, to just talk to these people, these friends of mine who are experts in these areas, and not to take you off and totally um, so spiritual ways. I really just want to talk more about the mechanics of it, why it's good for you, and how you can fit it into your life. So I am very looking forward to sharing these conversations. Uh, they'll be a little bit shorter, each of them, than we normally go, but all brought together into one concise space. So Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And let's join in and have some fun movement. All right. So welcome, everyone. This is uh, one of the three components of our conversations with friends, uh, topics around well-being. And this particular episode where I've brought three pieces together around movement and the three areas of movement I chose to bring together for this episode are Tai Chi, Yoga, and Qigong. And today is, or this uh, session piece is about Qigong. And it is with a friend of mine, and particularly even more so my husband's, uh, because Michelle Barbier is uh, his Qigong teacher and mentor. And, but I adore her because I just, like her personality, but she, I have seen her do her Qigong and it is quite beautiful. Um, but I, I chose Qigong and I chose all of these three pieces as Michelle and I were talking a little bit before we started the recording, uh, movement to implement into our lives for longevity, uh, not just short term, hey, I wanna lose 10 pounds or I wanna feel distressed in this moment, which are lovely things, but to also really look at longevity of life. And as I was saying this before, a thought that crossed my mind was, particularly in the pandemic, our approach to movement, exercise, de-stressing changed from what it was pre-pandemic, I think. I, I have watched it, I've seen it in myself, and but I've also read a lot around it that, it is more about this longevity. How do we, it's not a competition, you know, how much exercise can we get it in one week and, you know, whatever, uh, 
how many gold medals are we going to get, but how can we really look at movement as a way to uh, take care of this physical being that we are to live a longer life, certainly if that's something that you want to do. I mean, if you don't want to live a very long life, well, then I guess you don't have to listen to this. <laughs> Um, I think most people and studies have shown for quite some time, quite a few years now that people are living longer. Um, and so we have to take care of ourselves, but we have to look at it, I feel differently, that um, move, implementing movement in a way that it can be complementary with that, you know, haul out running that you do or swimming two miles three times a week, I think there's happy mediums. I think there's things that can be complementary. And I look at Qigong, yoga, and Tai Chi as one of them. But um, the thing I love about Qigong is its history and um, and its effects on the body. And so that's, that's kind of where I'd love to start with it. Michelle, if you would share with it, us. We're going to pretend that anybody listening to this has never heard of Qigong and doesn't understand it or know what it's about. And so if you could speak to that and maybe share us a little bit of that history, um, as well as how it's different from Tai Chi. So I threw a lot at you there. That's fine. I'm up for it. Okay. Okay. Well, Qigong is a form of moving meditation that came about in China thousands of years ago. It's known as the mother or grandmother or ancestor, depending on who you're talking to, mm -hmm. of Tai Chi. But it generally lacks the self-defense self components mm -hmm. that are part of Tai Chi. Legend has it that people, and by legend, I mean this is like three or 4,000 years ago, so right. Really, right? Legend has it that people living in a part of China that had a damp, unhealthy climate were sick all the time mm -hmm. they got tired of that and they tried to find a way to help themselves be healthier so they started doing deep breathing that helped so then they started adding movements to go with the breathing so qigong was born and has been developing ever since mm. so qi is the life force and gung means to cultivate so when we practice qigong, we are cultivating the life force, which sounds like a pretty good deal to me, actually. I think so. <laughs> yeah. So qigong seeks to balance the body, mind, and spirit. Hmm. It's made up of gentle, flowing movements that are designed to move the blood and the oxygen and the bioelectrical energy through the body so that it doesn't get stuck. Hmm. So we combine these movements with deep, controlled breathing, which oxygenates the body and also helps us to focus and stay in the present. Hmm. So typically each movement of Qigong is repeated multiple times and there are like a million different forms of Qigong. Hmm. But each movement in a Qigong form is typically repeated multiple times, which allows us to sink into the practice and increases the sense of moving meditation uh, because you don't have to worry so much about what the next step is that you're supposed to do. Right. So when you um, 
speak to the piece of, you know, that it's this moving meditation. So you're, you're standing, obviously, then, because you couldn't move so much while you're sitting then, yes? Well, actually, <clears throat> it is possible to do Qigong and Tai Chi as well while seated. There's a, there are people out there who teach um, chair Qigong. You know, and so if, for example, you are confined to a wheelchair or you have really a lot of trouble walking and you need a walker and all that, that's okay. You can sit down and do this stuff and get a lot of the benefit, especially for the upper body. Of course, you're not going to be able to bring the feet in, mm -hmm. but it can be done. But, you know, typically it is done standing. And when you... Um in in the movements itself when we talk about because i think many people don't at least in my in my own work that i do with individuals and i when i talk about energy within ourselves and the energy between people and the energy that you bring to the experience some people just don't really understand that or don't understand life force because they see it as well I have a heart I have a brain yeah. and when the heart stops beating my brain goes dead or I'm put on life support till I you know whatever so um, and even in yoga that prana that movement of energy um, can you talk speak to that because I don't know how well everyone listening necessarily understands it or how is that how are you moving that uh because as i i've seen mm -hmm. the movement in qigong and i i know that you you are actually um at least i've seen it as steven is doing it um you know you're moving this energy literally your hands are positioned in a way where you're moving this energy can you talk about that because some people might go well that just sounds like I don't know what. Yeah, I know. It sounds like, you know, the secret order of the mystic woo or something. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, it's not the secret order of the mystic woo. <laughs> it's uh, the bioelectrical energy of the body is something that we all have. I mean, the heart is basically an electric pump that is run by these groups of cells called sinus nodes that send out little blasts of electricity and they do it in a certain order and that's what makes the heart beat and if it, if the order gets screwed up like if one of the sinus nodes doesn't function correctly then you have an arrhythmia hmm. the brain uh, is incredibly electric the whole nervous system the nerves are basically wires and what they do is they carry electricity. That's their job. And so when people have a disorder such as um, Parkinson's or MS, what happens is that the, the uh, coating on the nerve, the myelin sheath, um, is worn away. It's degraded. And then the electrical impulses are not able to be carried correctly. And so you have uh, neurological symptoms because of that. It's like, uh, you, you know, in a house with old wiring, when our house dates back to the 50s, and one of the first things we did 
was have rewiring done and thank God we did because I watched the guy pulling the old wires out of the mm -hmm. wall and they were insulated with paper. Oh. It really, I mean, seriously. Wow. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it, it was all old and friable and it was, he was pulling it out and it's crumbling and flaking all over the place. Wow. And I was like, well, that was a tremendous fire waiting to happen. Wow. <laughs> Glad we did that. Yeah. So, you know, when something similar happens to our nerves, they don't work right. And mm -hmm. it's because, you know, as Walt Whitman said, he, he said, I sing the body electric. And somehow he knew that we are powered by electricity. One thing I tell my students is, you know, have you ever made a potato battery? No, I have yeah. not. It's the coolest thing in the world. You know? Oh, you, you just, I want to do it now. Oh, it's so okay, cool. tell me. Okay, yeah. tell me. You, you put a, a probe in a potato and you can use it to light up an electric light. You can, you can find instructions on the internet and it's very exciting. So here's this, if a dumb potato can light up a light bulb, think what the human body can do mm -hmm. with its electricity. So that's kind of how I make this more comprehensible and less weird. <laughs> I talk about yeah, well, and I'm not of, I, I always see um, people who are, who might be practitioners of, practitioners of any of these movements, Qigong, yoga, or Tai Chi, and they'll say, want to, you know, want to have a little bit more woo-woo, or are you yeah, missing right. the woo-woo? And I'm yeah. like, it's not woo-woo, there's nothing woo-woo about it, stop saying that, it's a practice, it's a, you know, it's a mm -hmm. foundational practice. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we move energy through us, like, let's just speak about the breath aspect of it, because okay. you had said in its history, uh, that the legend, <laughs> the old legend, that they're, that they had, pro they had a lot of mucus, um, uh, building up and, and couldn't breathe properly. Mm -hmm. So how, how are, I know how, I know my breath exercises that I use in yoga, um, how are how do you use breath and the movement mm -hmm. as you go through this practice and how is it yeah and how is it um there's a way what i want to say it's like how is it uh helping to move and clear that energy would be a simple way to say it yeah well i can what i can do is i can talk you through a couple of um like a, a foundational qigong movement Mm -hmm. if you would like sure and um and you can see how it works and your listeners can experience how it works sure okay so what we're going to do is we're going to embrace the chi and then we're going to sink the chi mm. you can do this sitting or standing it doesn't matter so whatever your posture whatever you're sitting or standing so let's talk about the posture a little bit. Just let everything be soft. All your joints are soft. Your shoulders are soft. And this is a tough one for people because all of our stress ends up in our shoulders and our necks. So the shoulders are soft. Now imagine that there is a string at your sternum, your breastbone, that goes up to heaven. 
we gradually tighten that string. And as it tightens, your head comes up a little bit, your chest rises a little bit, and your vertebrae just automatically fall into line without you having to do anything about it, really. And while we're doing that, our tailbones are pointed gently toward the floor. Not drastically, just gently, but just so our rear ends are not sticking out, which uh, undermines the breathing apparatus. And it's not good for the lower back either. So now, imagine that your breath fills your entire body. And it really does. The oxygen fills everything. But imagine the breath itself filling the entire body. Bring your attention gently to the lower abdomen as it moves out when you inhale and in when you exhale. And as you exhale, imagine the breath sinking through your body and flowing out through the soles of your feet into the earth. Let all the tension in your body flow out through your feet as you exhale. All your joints are soft and your shoulders are relaxed. Now inhale slowly as you raise your arms, palms up, out to the sides and over your head. Your elbows are flexed rather than locked and your wrists and hands are relaxed with space between your fingers. When your hands are over your head, exhale slowly as you slowly and gently lower your hands in front of your body with your palms facing the floor. Your hands, wrists, fingers, and shoulders are relaxed. Take a recovery breath if you like. And then let's do it again. Inhale, palms up, elbows relaxed. Exhale, bringing your hands down in front of your body, palms facing the floor. So that's kind of how breathing works in Qigong. I can feel it. I can feel my hands vibrating. Isn't that the coolest thing? Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I can feel, you know, I, I feel I have a, um, I have a strong enough practice, not only with my stillness, but, you know, yoga as well and, and myself to know when I feel energy. But that was just such a nice, I needed that. That was perfect. That was a great, like, Yay. five minute little break. So everybody, you can just clap your hands and say, thank you, Michelle. <laughs> was good um how did you because speaking of electrical i only know a touch about how you got involved how qigong crossed your path and why you started what was what was it that you how did it find you and how has it helped you well it was one of those things that seemed horrible at the time but turned out to be good i've had a, a couple of those in my life yeah. path 
when I was 41, I fell off the curb in front of our house while wearing clogs, which I do not wear anymore. <laughs> and my one of my ankles rolled out, you know, rolled out like mm -hmm. they do. And I got a hairline fracture in one of my ankle bones. But the real problem was the this horrendous sprain. Mm. I was swollen and purple from the tips of my toes on that foot, almost all the way up to my knee. Mm. It was really rancid. Wow. So, I know. I went to my doctor and I was like, Wee. Oh my gosh. I know. So he put me in one of those little casts that you can take on and off and uh, then I made him write me a script for physical therapy because I was still so wrecked up. And the physical therapy basically didn't help at all, even though mm -hmm. I had a good therapist and I went like 12 times. So one day I was griping to my acupuncturist and she it may have been that she was just tired of hearing me gripe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had been really complaining. And she said, you know, I think you could benefit martial arts so she referred me to this amazing martial arts teacher named Hong Chao Zhang who is from China so I went to see him and explained my tale of woe and he started me off with both Tai Chi and Qigong mm -hmm. and he rehabbed me he rehabbed my ankle wow. really quickly Wow. And he also fixed my knees, which I managed to mess up by doing something that they probably don't even make anymore at the gym called the Stairmaster. Oh, no, they do very much make that. Oh, good grief. I <laughs> screw up my knees with that. It was horrible. Oh. But, you know, he did acupressure and led me through my practice and, and um, rehab my knees, which I was pretty impressed. So... And then I, would, I was also feeling myself getting stronger, you know, having more energy, uh, getting some lower body strength. So I decided to keep doing it. So I've been doing it for hmm, over 25 years now. Wow. And this is one of the things I love about this. Um, my teacher is also in his 60s now. And um, he and I talk about how Qigong is the thing that you can keep doing as long as you live, even if you live to be very, very, very old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> His Qigong master back in China uh, lived to be, gosh, something like a hundred. And she was still doing the practice. Mm -hmm. So that's impressive to me. You know, oh, really is. can't play basketball and, you know, running and you know, these are great things, mm -hmm. but really, you can't do that stuff when you're like 80 or 90 or 100 years old. This stuff you can do. Yeah. I mean, and there are those rare exception people who, you know, still running marathons at 80 Good years old. Good for him. Good right. for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yay. The majority of people, and I think in general, when I look at, well, I'll say this first and then I'll probably digress. You know, I think the majority of us, have something in our bodies that at some point may slow us down or prevent us mm -hmm. sooner or later. And given 
the level of stress that's in life in general and particularly the pandemic uh, but just i'll just speak about america in general because the, the the way that we live our lives is a very stressful way of living mm -hmm. um and my feeling and thoughts about that are a completely different conversation for another day that <laughs> i brought up in in all my other recordings but and so you know when i i chose these three movements because they are in they are they are a more they're very complementary to the body i feel they are a kinder type of movement to the body mm -hmm. and, and and i was just having the speaking just before you with my yoga teacher that yoga at its core was designed and brought about as a mind body breath connection to prepare you to sit in meditation mm. not to do gymnastics or acrobats or dance or have goats walking on your back while you have yoga you know so these practices from my perspective and again why i chose them is because we already have enough coming at us that's designed to kill us <laughs> in some True. way shape or form heart attack or fall down flight of stairs which i've done or you know get in a fight with somebody or verbally or you know whatever there's already enough shit coming at us to to kill us mm -hmm. why do we feel we have to make exercising this you know painful painful thing mm -hmm. to do and i'm not saying don't go swim two miles a day or you know bike 25 miles or you know bike around lake michigan i'm not saying don't do that i i'm just offering a a space a type of movement that can allow you to try it on sim in simple ways every day so that you can step out of life mm -hmm. and find some way to replenish and restore yourself because mm -hmm. what i teach in my work our daily well-being rituals and tools to help you on this journey so that it's these are tangible things and to easily be able to step out of life or easily be able to implement right where you are so you don't have to go put on you know my running gear my tennis shoes my this or that i can step out and actually just step into these practices and know that i am having therapeutic effects and benefits for my body. Mm -hmm. So with, so in saying that, um, you know, the example you just did with us, I mean, that took all of, I don't know, three, four minutes, something mm -hmm. like that. We stepped out of life. We took a pause and we did breath work and we moved energy and I feel fantastic. Didn't it feel good? Right. And it's so easy. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, and it just actually sticking on the benefits for a section for a moment, I mean, um, along with the breath work in these postures of in Qigong, is it, do you find, is there a fluidity that mm -hmm. happens in the body? Do you find that you're more, you said a little bit earlier, your strength, you felt your strength build, mm -hmm. you felt more energized. Do you find that, okay, let's just say someone who's had 
knee surgeries or hip surgeries or, you know, I have scoliosis. I've had it since I was 12, 13, and wore back brace, full body brace for two years. Mm -hmm. You know, does this type of movement help repair? Do repair might be too strong of a word, but does it help bring um, restoration in some way to the body? Yeah, yeah I think it does. Um, it's. Um... Well, people have been studying this stuff because it's so good for us. And word got out that it's good for us. So people are actually starting to do studies. So that's a good thing. So there's a body of evidence out there getting bigger and bigger that suggests that Qigong can help with a whole bunch of different issues. And I'll just list some of them. High blood pressure, sense of balance, depression, mental focus, stress management, sleep problems, lack of energy, circulatory problems, strength, flexibility, grounding, and recovering, recovery from trauma. Mm. So one of the big benefits of Qigong is that it increases kinesthetic awareness, which is the awareness of your body in space. So doing this practice helps you develop awareness of posture and weight distribution, which can increase the ease with which we move around in the world and decrease the number of times we fall, which is mm. pretty darn important, especially as we get older. So people tend to find Qigong simultaneously calming and energizing, but energizing in a, a gentle sort of way. Mm and typically feel better after a session, both physically and emotionally. So I didn't feel like I didn't really answer your question. You did. I was like I writing know. down this list of all the things that it helps. I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it is a lot of stuff. <laughs> it is a lot of stuff. And, and, and all of those things are conditions that people are for sure in this last 14 months absolutely mm -hmm. have been heightened. So I think Qigong is, is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, uh, where would you find uh, if someone was wanting to try this on? Um, mm -hmm. And because I don't, at least in my paths of information that come at me and I have a very wide variety, I don't, um, and I'm, I don't see a lot of qigong images or mm -hmm. things like that whereas stuff like yoga it's it's over over overdone i'll just say that <laughs> heavily <laughs> just, represented heavily represented so for qigong where would we find or what would be your suggestion for a resource to look to or try on or how does one go about if they want to start implementing it or giving it a shot and yeah it's always best to study with a good teacher, of course. Uh, and there are, there's not a lack of Tai Chi teachers in the Chicago area. There's kind of a lack of sort of dedicated Qigong teachers, but mm -hmm. a lot of Tai Chi teachers will include Qigong like at the beginning of each class to kind mm -hmm. of get people into it as almost like a warm up and just kind of settle down so that they can do the practice. Mm -hmm. But um, there are also tons of YouTube videos. This sounds really jinky, but you know, <laughs> I, I look at YouTube videos about Qigong 
And there are a lot of DVDs out there, too, and some of them are really good. Um, my own teacher is amazing, but there are also some video teachers I really like, particularly a guy named Lee Holden and a woman named Daisy Lee. Uh, those are really, really, man, I own multiple DVDs from these people, and I learn a lot from them, and that's kind of like a, a nice entry into this stuff. You know, you can check out, and I should say that if you you put, you know, Qigong into the search bar on YouTube, you will get about 17 million hillion skillion <laughs> hits, and it's really confusing, and <laughs> some of them are bizarre, and some of them are great, so you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. But So it might be more fruitful if you're going to Google put Qigong DVD mm. or Qigong basic or introductory or something like that mm -hmm. and see what pops up. And okay. you're likely to find something that's, you know, pretty decent. Well, and you, because I'm just going to promote you, you do a weekly <laughs> class as well, don't you, over Zoom right now? Yeah, I do yeah, too. I mean, we're in the Chicago area, so if you feel like coming to the Chicago area, by all means, let me know. Um, we'll get you hooked up. But cool. uh, if if anyone who's listening to this and wants to explore it, um, you can email me uh, at cultivate ullc at gmail dot com, uh, and I will and get you hooked up with Michelle, and you can join in her class that way for now. I would um, love that. I would yeah, love. that'd be great. Um, so just wrapping up, um, I, as I said, I think that for me, Qigong, it, it's beautiful to watch, just as Tai Chi yeah. is beautiful to watch. It's just mm -hmm. lovely. But I do really love the, you said this in the very beginning, kind of the slowness of it, the mm -hmm. intentional piece of it. And with all three of these practices, movements that I'm bringing to the forefront again, one of the other pieces that I really want people to get is not only to go back to foundational things, things that may not seem very sexy in terms of movement or exercise, but get to the foundation of them and get to a simplistic place, which not a lot of people like to do, mm -hmm. because it's at that foundation where you can really get a greater awareness of the practice you're about to step into, greater awareness about yourself, uh, your ailments, your strengths, and really what your body's doing. And I think um, Qigong is a beautiful practice for that, uh, to really understand what it feels like to move your chi and, and mm -hmm. feel it moving through your system and being mm -hmm. still enough in your head and clear in your head to allow that to happen. Um, and so I think mm -hmm. it's a really beautiful practice for that. So yeah, I thank you, Michelle, for being here with me and sharing your wisdom. It means a lot. Well, thank you. It was just lovely to talk to you. Oh, um, and we'll, you know, hopefully we'll see you soon, I hope. <laughs> but it thank would you. Be great. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for um, listening. And I look forward to 
uh, more conversations with friends. So thanks for being here. So we are here uh, as part of this uh, conversation and topic around well-being. Uh, this one is around Tai Chi, and this is with uh, a friend, a longtime friend of mine and my husband's, Peter Norman. And Tai Chi is a form of movement from my perspective um, that I not only Peter's going to talk about some of its longevity in its history, but for me, it's a very, I find it to be a very elegant form of movement um, that I feel anyone could partake in. And I'm going to have Peter hopefully tell me that that's true. Um, but I also find it to be a form of movement, um, and this is where we'll dive in, uh, that I think could really benefit uh, a lot of us uh, during this, what's still going on is this pandemic and, and, and anybody's incredibly high stress time. So um, welcome, Peter. Thank you for being here with me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yay. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I picked Tai Chi because not only had Stephen studied with you and um, we'll go into that, but I really, I've, I've always found Tai Chi to be fascinating and my form of movement, and it's odd that I say this because it, it would be so beneficial it, for my specific structure, my body um, and my own nerve pain that I deal with daily. Uh, I'm, I am uh, an incredibly athletic athletically built individual. I'm not gonna say I'm an incredibly athletic individual because I'm not, that's just not my gig. I don't do well at sports. So my, my, I end up finding some of my movement uh, that I use to be forms where my strength uh, and flexibility can be used. Yet I'm so attracted to Tai Chi because of its elegance. Um, and maybe it's because of my long ago and my early life, my ballet background, but it's just, it's just such a beautiful thing to watch. And I've seen it so many times when we've traveled and the classes going on in the park. So um, I just thought it would be a good form of movement to introduce to people because I don't hear a lot of people talk about it as something they practice. Um, so I want you, let's just kind of, if we could dive in, talk to me about what Tai Chi is and maybe a little bit of its history. Sure. Well, Tai Chi is a, it's a Chinese martial art. Um, and I think its basis comes out of, well, it's a form of Qigong as well. I mean, Qigong just means Qi and Gong is like cultivation practice. So you're cultivating and practicing movements to, uh, you know, uh, increase your Qi or make mm -hmm. your Qi stronger. Mm -hmm. So Tai Chi is a form of Qigong. So there's that aspect to it. But what I always found really fun about it too, is there's a martial art aspect of it to the application. And most of us, you know, we don't practice it to, you know, necessarily use it as a martial art, but it's got that component in it. And, um, you know, and I think that component uh, ties into the meditative aspect of it. And of course, you know, the strength and flexibility of the body, but mm -hmm. also the sensitivity you have to be sensitive to another person's energy because it's an internal martial art versus, you know, some of the other martial arts that are external and hard. 
This one is soft and internal. So mm. you have to develop a sensitivity to other people's energy. And when they're touching you, you, you feel them, you feel their body and you respond to, you know, what, what pressure they're bringing on you. Can you, when you talk about two things that you said, the internal martial art, can you talk to me a little bit about that as well as when you were saying touching and feeling others energy. So um, I, you know, doing my research for our conversation a little bit and talking to Stephen about it. He always mentions this swimming in the air motion. Um, and, you know, as I said, the elegance of watching people do Tai Chi is, you know, very relaxing to me. I could just feel like I'm doing it just watching, but obviously not. So yeah, talk to me about those two things and are there different forms? Like what, if you were to explain what someone who's never seen it before, um, could you explain how some of those movements look or, or what is it that I'm doing with my body? Cause I know it's incredibly different, like night and day different from yoga, which is, you know, a movement and series done on a mat floor that way, so to speak, versus Tai Chi. Okay. Let's see. There's a bunch of questions. Yes. I'm sorry. I threw a lot at you. <laughs> Let me, let me, let me, we'll back up. Let me Let's start go with to... the, uh, the different types. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Get too excited. Uh, yeah. Let me just give it a little history too. So, yep. you know, there's no uh, complete documentation of when all this started, you know, but it seems like Tai Chi and Qigong came out of uh, development from, well, originally, I think a Buddhist monk that came to um, China and then the Taoist monks, I think over time, adapted some of those movements and some of that meditative movement to, you know, develop Qigong movements to help build up Qi. And then um, my understanding is like at a certain point, because the monasteries had gold and things like that, you know, robbers would try and steal things. So they had to develop this uh, defensive capability. Mm. Um, but they'd been also developing the internal part of it. Um, which is uh, where you get the, uh, the power um, that isn't, uh, I mean, it's hard to describe. It's an internal power versus, it's, it's using the elasticity of the body in a way versus using hard punches and kicks. Got it's it. Elasticity. So okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then the modern Tai Chi, you know, it seems like most people would credit it to like 1850s or mid, you know, 1800s started to develop and the Chen family in, in China would claim that they're the ones that started it. Some people say yes, some people say no, but mm -hmm. anyway, let's just pretend like that's good. And then, um, so you have the Chen style um, Tai Chi and then um, a, a guy from the Yang family started studying with the Chen family and then eventually he broke off and he started the Yang style Hmm. And then another person uh, who studied with, you know, some of these people started the Wu style and then there's the Sun style. So those are the kind of the main styles. And, you know, they're, they're similar in their internal, uh, internal um, discipline, but, you know, the movements are a little bit different. Like the Chen tends to be slow and fast, a little bit harder, I think, from me looking at it. Mm -hmm. The Yang style is a little more fluid and slow. 
uh, and I don't really know as much about the Wu and Sun style, but I think they're more along the lines of the Yang style. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting you have a dance background because I think in dance, I always look at dancers and, you know, they're very grounded. They're very centered when they make their movement, especially I'm, maybe ballet is a little different. It feels like you have your energy up higher, mm -hmm. but most of the dancers move from what we call like the Dan Tian, which mm -hmm. is the center of gravity. Okay. And um, so I think Tai Chi has that same movement. And I was always attracted to it because I always was very athletic as well. I play a lot of sports and I liked the movement of it. Plus it had the martial art aspect. So, mm -hmm. you know, for a dancer, it's kind of um, uh, an easy extension in some ways of what you're doing. And one of my teachers, uh, Master Sam Tam, he always said, yeah, it's a martial art. So it should look beautiful. It's still an art. Um, <laughs> And I think that's where, you know, maybe from looking at it, it seems very dance-like to, to watch it. Mm -hmm. But I think because it's grounded so much and it's meditative, um, I think even watching it, you can sort of feel calm. You can feel the calm energy. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, it, it, it develops that calm energy, which is, uh, you know, helpful in getting through the day as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, that was kind of, so my next two questions, you did great in answering that bombardment through you, sorry. Um, what, well, let's just talk about first, what, what attracted you to it? Why, why, what, how did you gravitate towards it? Well, like I said, I, I had some friends doing it and um, I, like I said, I always, I guess I was, I was looking for a, some way to deal with stress, right? Mm -hmm. You know, working every day, I just needed some way to deal with stress. And I knew that, you know, Tai Chi, you know, had that um, benefit. And I like, like I said, because it, it was movement. It wasn't just sitting and meditating, which I wasn't, you know, my body was too tight and, you know, rigid from doing all sports all those years. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really ready to just do that. But it seemed like, you know, Tai Chi doing that movement was still meditative, but I could still move and I, I could still be kinesthetic. So mm -hmm. I, I like that. That's what attracted me to it. Mm -hmm. And then led you down the path to become a teacher in it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fun thing about Tai Chi is like an onion. So you just keep peeling back layers and you get deeper and deeper and deeper into it and it becomes more and more interesting. But I think for most, for a lot of people are, you know, at least the school I was in, uh, they encourage people to start teaching, and really, I mean, that's how the that's how the uh, you know the practice spreads. You get more teachers, and then mm -hmm. they get students, and then those students become teachers, and it spreads. Sure. So, and I just like I just like teaching, and I like sharing, um, you know, all the benefits with people. And you can watch over time. You see people change. You see their bodies change. Mm. Become more relaxed. Become more centered. Um, and I think it affects, you know, uh, you can't help but have being a, I think in a good mood for the most part, if you practice some sort of internal energy practice, it just kind of uplifts your spirit because it is a mind, body, spirit thing, you know, like yoga is. Sure. And well, that kind of leads to my questions around the benefits and, you know, we talked about it relieves stress, but so and you speak about the internal side, the internal softness of it. Um, how, 
so what is the benefit really of Tai Chi on the body other than de-stressing? And are there mechanics of, I don't know if I'm going to formulate this, how I want to ask this in my mind, I'm thinking like, are there mechanics of the movements? Cause you're standing the whole time. I mean, not standing still, but you're on your feet. This is not, you don't ever sit down in Tai Chi. It's a movement standing up. Correct. Mostly. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So are there mechanics of it as you move through it? So let's just say I'm someone with uh, a lot of arthritis or I'm someone who maybe had um, injuries, whether knee surgery it resulted in or hip surgery, or I have spinal issues. Are there, are, is Tai, I, is Tai Chi beneficial for someone like that? And, and how do if you can answer it, um, how do some of the mechanics or the essence of Tai Chi help in those areas where there is, you know, um, inflammation or it's, you know, the joints are compromised? Yeah. Okay. So a couple of questions there. Let me go back for a second. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, some of the benefits that are, you know, you can usually read about and I, I, I find, you know, to be true is, you know, it lowers your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, some say it increases your mac your oxygen consumption. You know, maximizes it. Sure. It, you know, it supports your immune system. Um, you know, increases energy. It also improves your flexibility and balance, and improves your muscle strength and ligament health. Um, so, setting those aside for a second, you know, it also, like I said, it reduces stress and anxiety. Uh, I think to me, it improves sleep and um, some people say it helps them uh, with depression as well. Mm. So when you think about reducing stress, well, how do you do that? Well, part of it is just relaxing. And the more you can relax your muscles and your mind and your body and help uh, your body get into um, a more, um, you know, more perfect alignment in a way, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 you know, it, it helps, um, you know, it helps your whole, um, I guess it would help, you know, work through injuries and tension points mm -hmm. and things like that and strengthen, certainly strengthens your muscles, especially your leg muscles. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also, interestingly enough, you know, as we get older, you know, our ligaments and joint, our ligaments and tendons, as I understand it, you know, they start to shorten up. Mm -hmm. So what the Tai Chi and the Qigong do is they help lengthen and stretch all those connective tissue. Mm. And, uh, so that as you get older, um, your, your ligaments and tendons are still strong, even though your muscles may atrophy, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. So that's why people that are, you know, 80, 90 years old can still have a lot of strength because their ligaments and their tendons are very strong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rest of their bodies relaxes. It can be, you know, living in the regular world. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that was one part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so you talked about, uh, somebody with injuries, but like I said, part of it is, you know, our whole body is connected with fascia and connective material. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some of the injuries are, you know, that connective tissue gets bunched up and it gets scar tissue and it's harder to move. So these kinds Tai Chi and Qigong and, you know, massage and things like that help it too help stretch that connected to you break it up so that you know you can function better mm. um i mean if you have like a serious knee injury i mm. mean you, obviously any movement you do you want to 
modify and make sure it doesn't cause any, you know, additional injury. But sure. in general, if you're aligning your body and you're relaxing your body, you know, you're not going to injure yourself. And uh, my, my teacher, one of my teachers, Sam Tamlin, would always say, you know, the Tai Chi lubricates the joints. Mm. So with Chi, mm-hmm. um, it's probably, you know, there's probably something physiological like synovial fluid or something like that. Sure. It's actually happening, but, but it does uh, open up the joints and lubricates them. Um, so I don't know if that answers all, all That answers questions. all of it. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> like, I'm, uh, once I get on one thought, I, I've, you know, I throw out too many and I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> um, so how, uh, well, it was funny when you said like, you know, people practicing until they're, you know, 80 years old and that's why they have strength. It's, you know, when you travel or at least when we have traveled uh-huh. and we've seen them in the parks, you see the Asian communities um, practicing their Tai Chi in the parks always in the early morning. And it's always generally a mix uh, of ages, but uh, for sure, there's always a group of elders <clears throat> within that group. And so um, do you think that this is just kind of something that popped in my head? Do you think that, uh, how do I say this? Um, do you think that the community, the Asian community, the elders, I mean, even, well, do you think it's popular among even the 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 younger generations i mean from after the elders you know anybody down so let's just say age 60 down yeah um okay most of my students they tend to be you know 50 up mm-hmm. so 50s 60s some in their 70s mm-hmm. um just because i think when you get to that age you're like okay you're not going to want to necessarily run 10ks anymore or right. play basketball or things like that so I think the you know a larger portion of the people taking it up, at least in the U.S., are uh, in Canada probably are, are you know fifty plus, maybe mm-hmm. forty plus. Mm-hmm. You know, kids. You know, when I was twenty, I was actually started doing it in my late twenties. But I think most people in twenties are they're going out to you know do intensive workouts and maybe Tai Chi doesn't they don't see the benefit of it or mm-hmm. it doesn't give them the the burn that they want to or you know, the, the, get the cardiovascular system going the way they want to. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so I think younger people maybe aren't as attracted to it, but, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe that will change over time. I mean, it's interesting that, the, you know, the kind of the Western way of exercising is, you know, you work individual parts and you really get the heartbeat going, get, you know, right. get to do your heavy cardio. Where the, where the more Eastern philosophies, I think, are like, okay, you don't want to like overstress your lungs or your heart by doing these hard cardio things. Mm-hmm. It's better to, you know, Tai Chi does increase your cardio. I mean, it is cardio um, and it helps your, you know, with your breathing, mm-hmm. but it does it, does it in a, a, a less stressful way. It's sure. a more relaxed way. Um, yeah. Well, it almost seems in the point that you bring up about Eastern versus Western, you know, I... I could go on for a few days about the differences in between us and you know the Americans and the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, if you listen to some of the other podcasts I have, I do talk about that. Um, but you're right in that I find here in America, you know, 
there's two types of exercising. There is the competitive because I want to, I am on a competitive team or I am wanting to do that Ironman or, you know, that marathon. It's something I've always dreamed of, you know, there's that, or I want to go to the Olympics. Okay. So there's that kind of sports uh, type of engagement, but then there's the other type that is just centered from my perspective uh, is centered around this uh, unrealistic body type that has been in the face of media and Hollywood in the face of all of us for eons. Uh, and so we exercise to, you know, let's kill ourselves. Let's just, you know, go at it as hard as we can. And if you're not, well, then there's something wrong with you. You're not trying hard enough. Right. right. Um, not realizing, as you said, you know, the Eastern cultures look at exercise as yes, it is cardiovascular because you have to focus on breathing. You have to focus on expansiveness of the lungs and the rib cage. And, and it does massage all of your internal organs in the way that you're moving because you are moving energy through you. And it, I think it, I think that's why you see the elders in the Asian communities still like, they have no problem. It's like they've been doing it since they were born. You know, it's just, it's kind of like their way of life. It's kind of, it's how I look at Tai Chi in particular. It's like this way of life form of movement that they just do every day. It's just, it's kind of like a no brainer, I think, or it's not a, it's like a non-negotiable is kind of how I see it. I don't know if that's actually true, but um, that's my perception. And I think if more people could adopt a softer side a, a gentler way of exercise that is still 1000% beneficial for the body, but doesn't have this um, specific body type stigma attached to it. I think we'd probably be better off in the long run. And I think you could balance it with what you're doing maybe. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, I played basketball and softball and, you know, all, all sports when I was growing up. And, you know, by the time I, I think I got into my 40s, I finally stopped with all that because it was just like my body just wasn't healing mm -hmm. after, you know, a day of basketball. Right, right, right. right. And, uh, you know, my back would be sore and I was, my body was twisted and tight. <laughs> and, you know, f so I stopped doing it and I just started doing the Tai Chi and the Qigong. I mean, I still, you know, swim and do yoga mm -hmm. and some things like that. Um, but my, my body just started to change, right? And it became more relaxed and I didn't have the same back pains and I didn't mm -hmm. have other problems and my body started to straighten out more. So, um, you know, it's just interesting that if you use those, uh, uh, you know, more Eastern exercises, you know, swimming's good too. Mm -hmm. And just try and relax while you're doing it. Your body will start to heal itself. Yeah. And, and I think doing the Tai Chi and the Qigong heal your body if you, you know, if you allow it to. So that's, that's a good benefit too. Yeah. And uh, I fully agree with you. And I think if, I think if we could use forms of movements like tai chi qigong even different forms of yoga because i feel like yoga has gone to a whole different place than uh certainly where it originated but it's for move further away from what i personally believe in but 
it's still a form of movement that's a little gentler on the body itself but uh, and I even just have taken up swimming again uh, in the last I think I'm three months in now uh, but I hadn't swam swam lap swimming like right. since I was 10 or 11 yeah yeah <laughs> but it's um, you know I think movement like these is a nice balance to whatever else you might be doing and even if you can find a 50 50 balance with it uh, I think your body as you said will be better off in the long run and that's really my goal in having these conversations around movement is to give people a different uh, place a different outlet for a gentler outlet for taking care of their this physical shell that we have that we only have one of and it does such a phenomenal job at healing and repairing if we give it the time and space to do that but if all we do is keep hammering against it and put it in these conditions whether it's work, whether it's crazy ass exercising, if you're not doing it for even in competitive spaces, if we don't give it time to heal, it's just going to go, well, hey, screw you. I'm just going to like throw you some things to make you stop. And I certainly have been one of the receivers of those kinds of signs throughout my life. I've had quite a few. And it just, gets to a point where you're like, okay, like how stupid do I have to be about this? Can I just <laughs> stop and listen? It's not that difficult. So right. that's true. And um, yeah, my goal is, I mean, we'll see. It's a, it's an experiment, you know, but my goal is when I'm in my eighties or nineties, that I'm still able to move and be functional. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I look at my teacher, Sam Tam, and he's going to, I think he's going to be 85 this year, mm -hmm. but he's like, so flexible, so strong. I mean, he's got an incredible amount of chi. I mean, it's amazing mm -hmm. that, you know, at 85, it's kind of like, you know, he's probably in better shape and, than, you know, some 40 year olds. And so that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think uh, that's, it is for me. I know I have to live to be 98. That's how long my grandma lives. So I'm, I'm halfway there, <laughs> whether that happens or not, I don't know, but that's what I'm shooting for. Um, but I also think there's, <clears throat> as we wrap this up, I think that it's more, there's some, there are other aspects that go into making a gentler movement like this, an inward movement, as you said, an inward martial art, like Tai Chi or the others. Um, it's, there's a willingness. You have to have a willingness in yourself and you have to let go of the ego when you step in from, from my perspective, you have to let go of your ego when you step into these types of practices, because you do have to look internally and you have to be willing to look internally because shit's going to come up, whether you like it or not. And it will eventually get worked through, but all that stuff that we internalize uh, from our stress to emotional trauma to physical trauma and injuries, whatever, all that stuff gets stored in the tissues. Sure. Uh, and so I think movement such as Tai Chi and the, and the others allow for all of that stuckness to get moved out if we're willing to give it that space. And um, yeah. And I think the more you can relax and, you know, be in a good, uh, you know, upright position, you know, it starts to open up the meridians and the chi starts to flow and, you know, the chi can nourish your internal organs and nourish your whole body. And, 
you know, you just get, you just feel stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, um, you know, it's a, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, it's a relaxed strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like um, when you do some of the stuff and you get the chi flowing, it's almost like you feel like there's like the Michelin man, like there's a little bit of- Yeah, you feel it, you f- right. You feel that, I know exactly what you're talking about. You have this energy about you that you feel from, at least for me, I feel very alive, but I feel very, um, I feel almost potent. I feel uh, that it, I just feel like things flow through me easier. I don't feel like there's things that will get stuck that come through or cross my path. Yeah. And I got to say the other thing too, is to me, it's just a lot of fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it doesn't seem like it looking at it, like, wow, these people are having a lot of fun. Oh no, but... it's, it's light. I mean, especially when light. you're practiced with it, it's a very light, I see it as, I mean, it's just this flow. It is. So in, in saying that, I, uh, as we wrap up, what are some resources do you think are the best, maybe not like number one, but just good places for people to start looking, uh, to try this on? Well, I would, I would, I mean, I would, they always say it's better to find a teacher versus mm-hmm. like trying to do a video, mm-hmm. right? Um, of course, you know, with uh, COVID, you know, things have <laughs> altered right. a little bit. Everyone's right. online doing stuff, but it's always good to, to find a teacher, a master, because, you know, they, they just have the experience, you know, they, whether the uh, question is they can articulate it, but at least they have the experience of how to get to some place and mm-hmm. what to do to get there. So, you know, I would just say, find a teacher and, and dive in and, but you also have to be patient. You have to relax and just know at the beginning it, you know, some people pick it up faster than others and that's fine. It's not a competition, right? It's like everyone moves at their own pace, a dance background person might pick it up faster, mm-hmm. but anyone can do it. I mean, people have been doing these things for Tai Chi for hundreds of years, Qigong for thousands of years. So it's not like it's uh, you know, there has to be some benefit. Otherwise people wouldn't keep doing it. And Mm -hmm. obviously people are able to do it, you know, over time. So I think anyone can learn it if they, if they put their mind to it. Cool. Well, thank you for being part of this conversation. Thank you for all of this information. And um, I'm grateful for the space. And I hope that people will feel inspired to step out of their comfort zone and try this on even just one little piece at a time, a few movements at a time. That's how you grow. It's how you learn. And and I hope they have fun with it. So actually with one last thought from Chen Men Cheng, he was a master. He just said, you know, Tai Chi, if you do Tai Chi, it will help you with everything else you do. Mm. But everything else you do will probably, you know, reflect, make it more difficult for your Tai Chi because <laughs> you're bringing stress or whatever into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. But Tai Chi is good for everything else. So we'll leave it on the positive note. <laughs> okay, good. I like that. <laughs> well, thank you for the conversation. Right, I'm Marla. very grateful. Thanks. Good. All right. Thank you. Welcome everyone to this next piece of Conversations with Friends. This episode is movement. This is one of the uh, three segments that I'm bringing to this episode of movement for well-being. And this one is about yoga, something I am and have been for, I think now over 20 years easily, uh, passionate about and an active practicer. And we're having this conversation with a good friend of mine who I very much respect. She is my 
one of my yoga teachers and one I'm always very delighted to practice with. Um, but I adore her as a human being outside of her yoga practice, Miss um, Kathy Pace. So please welcome. Thank you, Kathy, for being here. Gosh, thank you, Malu, and I adore you as well. So in this, uh, in these episodes, this main episode about movement, I wanted to bring three different types of movement to this conversation uh, because I thought that they would be, I guess I kind of think that they're a little easier to try on. They're accessible. Um, they're easier in some ways on the body. And so I'm, I picked the three that I chose, Tai Chi, Qigong, and yoga, and today's yoga, uh, because there's a lot of information out there around it. And in this episode of yoga, I want to more focus on the, the, the physicality of yoga, um, certainly inward aspect and awareness as it brings to mind and body. I am not going to address the entire spiritual sacred aspect of it. That is a uh, just a different conversation in a different path and today and, and in this episode I really want to focus more on yoga as a form of wellness and movement in particular so um, as we jump in um, for you Kathy what do you let's let's just pretend nobody knows what yoga is even though that's hard to believe but let's just pretend that um, what is it and what what are some of its forms that exist that can be practiced? Oh, sure. Uh, well, for me, and I, I'm, a, I'm a certified yoga instructor, so if this were a test, I would, <laughs> I would have a really boring answer for you if it were a test, but it's not. Um, it's just what, what yoga is to me really is the connection between the mind the body and the breath. Okay. Um, there are many different forms of yoga. The, the one that I have really been um, enjoying a lot lately with, uh, in terms of teaching is chair yoga. Hmm. Um, and that is mostly because of the people who are in my chair yoga classes. They're, uh, they're seniors for the most part. Um, and I can talk more about that. We, we, I don't want to go down that path quite yet unless you want to, but they are, you know, a lot of them are practicing yoga for the first time in their entire lives. And they're in their 80s, 90s. I even have one student who is 107 years old. Oh, man, that is awesome. <laughs> no, is she, awesome. she's amazing. She is fantastic. And the joy that I see in them when they're using their bodies, when they're like getting to appreciate their bodies rather than thinking of their bodies as something that is just uh, like an obstacle to mm -hmm. um, a happy life. It's, it just makes me feel so good. Um, but I think I'm digressing here. I, um, We're allowed to do that. That's okay. 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 That's kind of how I roll. <laughs> So how many, so when you said the form that you're 
appreciating right now or relishing is chair yoga. So there, there are other forms because when I stepped into yoga, um, <clears throat> it was probably 1998, seven, 19, 97, I think maybe 98 at the latest, I stepped into it. And I had zero idea. I knew really like a microscopic amount of information about yoga. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't even tell you what the kind of class or style that I stepped into and started taking. Uh, I was taking it two nights a week. But if I were to think about what it was now, then I suppose it would be some kind of flow class. I mean, it was just called multi-level yoga. Okay but I don't, I don't even know. I just know we went through these series of poses and that's how I learned, you know, I just jumped in, dove in. So are there, but there are very specific forms, like different styles, would you say? For sure. Um, and in fact, I was thinking as you were talking about when you started yoga, which is about the same time that I started. And um, I know that the first style that I practiced was Hatha. Okay. I know you, Marlo, and I know that you really appreciate Hatha. You really appreciate Vinyasa as well. Um, but, I, and I was going to guess that that would have been your first foray into yoga was Hatha, because I think that's kind of what they were teaching back then. But um, but maybe not. Maybe maybe it was some kind of Vinyasa flow. Of course, now, you know, there's the hot yoga, Bikram, acro yoga, uh, dance yoga, all, all kinds of things. And, and if my, if my voice sounds like my eyes are rolling, <laughs> there's a reason for that. That's okay. My eyes roll too. Don't worry. Uh, you're probably right. I think when I first started, I mean, it moved slow. It's I would definitely say it's not a flow. Like they have like a vinyasa flow, although later on, uh, probably 10 year, 10, 12 years into it, I think I switched to a teacher who had flow. Yeah. And I didn't, when I first started, I mean, I instantly fell in love with it. Yeah. I also, and for the reason I fell in love with it was probably two. One is because I came from, <clears throat> uh, I have a ballet background in my, from my youth and teenage years. And so it was an easy thing for me to get into, especially the flexibility piece of it not that that was a requirement but it was like oh okay I can stretch again this felt great the component of it that I was really fascinated with was the alignment um, and if I can sidetrack even here a little bit and maybe you can throw this in there I was thinking about you know what is yoga's what is the history of yoga like why how did it even start what is it yeah. I mean, I know from my aspect in my head, you know, the whole spiritual side of it, and I know what component it is, but when we talk about just the series of movements, these, these poses, because that's what it is, is a series of poses or poses individually that are pieced together, mm -hmm. but how did it come about? So, well, you know, yoga came about as an exercise, really an exercise to prepare one's body and one's mind and one's breath for meditation mm, because okay. yeah and if, if, if you've ever sat in meditation for a long time which i know you have mm -hmm. um man it's hard you know yeah. especially if you're going to sit cross-legged on the floor 
or on a, on a really thin cushion. Um, it's really hard on, on the body. And so yoga started as a, uh, as a way to get the body kind of flexible enough to be able to sit for long periods of time. So that's one part of it. But the other part is, and, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure how these two um, meshed with each other, but a lot of the early yoga practitioners, if they weren't, if they were going beyond preparing their bodies for sitting in meditation, they were doing this extreme, almost gymnastics kind of kind of stuff. Mm. This is yeah. In India, most of the early, pra- a lot of the early practitioners were um, male gymnasts. Oh, that's right. I do remember that piece. Yeah. But you're right. I don't understand why that was necessary. I don't either, except that, you know, I kind of liken that part of it way back then to the current, what, what I call Instagram yoga, where. Oh. <laughs> you know, yes, then there's that. Then there's that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I forgot about that whole piece because I could right now in my head, I'm visualizing. Uh, I think it's in one of my books that I have, like you see all these, po- or maybe it's a poster somewhere. But it is all these poses and they are crazy, ridiculous, yeah. flexible things. And I'm like, what is the purpose of that? I mean, I get it, you know, but really, what is it doing for you, mind, body, spirit? I mean, to wrap your legs around your head, is that getting you closer to the divine? If that's what you're going for? Or like, does, you know, then I go down this path and I go, it's kind of, I have two thoughts. I know somewhere I'll be cursed for saying this somewhere down the line, but I've said this before, you know, I'm pretty sure the divine is not whatever the divine is to anybody. You know, I'm pretty sure they're not sitting there with their legs wrapped around their head or, you know, doing these crazy ass poses. Okay. So that's one thought I always, (laughs) but maybe they are, because obviously I've never seen them. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, But then my other thought that I always go with, and this is a total, this is, way on another path unrelated to it but it, it um relates to when i i make jewelry and i make malas hand knotted malas prayer beads people don't understand them a mala prayer beads are similar to sort of what a catholic rosary would be in that aspect <clears throat> and people will say to me when they ask me to make them or commission me i'll say do you really want the 108 beads and I'll say, those, oh, yeah, I have to. That was, that's what makes a mile. And I said, well, what are you using it for? And I'll say, well, you know, I just, I just wearing it. It's just, you know, special. And I go, let me be really clear to you that 108 beads is really long, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I am quite certain, first of all, that the divine, whoever you're honoring, if you actually use this for prayer, the divine is pretty darn happy that you're just contacting him once the first time just to say, hey, hi, how you doing? And the fact that you come back a second time to further the conversation, they're probably like, oh, this person's taking it seriously. They're not going to be counting whether you come back for another 108 times, pretty sure. So how about I just shorten that up to half of that at 54? I'm pretty sure they'll be happy with that. Unless magic powers. Yeah, no, I know. And I know there's a whole spiritual mystic side to the 108 i'm not denouncing that in any way or downplaying it but i just try to get to the realistic side of it for people (laughs) and that's really what what yoga is for me too it's like you know combining mind body and breath is so (laughs) darn important and uh uh 
I, I don't know. I, to, to, do you want to ask another question or can I go down? You go down a path because, yeah, then I want to talk about the benefits, but go down this path. I like it. Okay, well, they'll probably intersect on my path and yours as they do. Um, you know, I, the reason I decided I wanted to start teaching yoga, really, it's my mom inspired me to do this, um, mm. but in a, not in the way, not in a positive way, but it was me watching her, this, you know, woman, lovely, full of life, brilliant, intelligent woman, getting older and getting crabbier and crabbier and crabbier, like every single day. And, um, just angry, starting, you know, to get angry with life. And I saw her posture kind of, you know, slumping. And, and I, I'm looking at this woman thinking she has literally, she's been on every continent. She's traveled so much. She used to be a pilot. She um, owned an air freight company. She had four beautiful children, one of whom is me. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, just, you know, had a very full life. And I see her toward, you know, the end of her life, just not being victorious, not being triumphant. And I felt like that when somebody gets old, when you go through this entire life and you've had all these experiences and have done all these amazing things and helped so many people, you should be just joyful and victorious and triumphant toward the end of your life. And I thought, well, what is this? What's this about? And how much of it is physical? So she was also suffering from COPD, from um, being a champion smoker for most of her life. Mm. Um, so she, she had that going against her. But she also just, I think she kind of gave up on her body at some point and decided that her body was betraying her. And instead of getting to know her body, getting to know that, um, you know, just because you feel bad one day doesn't mean it's all downhill from here might feel better the next day and here's what you can do to feel better the next day or to feel better in this moment because she didn't have those tools she just was um i think she felt that her that she was being betrayed by this uh, container that was carrying around her brain you know her, her mm -hmm. body and um and i thought i i don't want to be like that when i'm that age and i don't want to see other people be like that i want people to understand that their body is more than and i'm not i didn't make this up their body's more than a brain taxi you know it's right. more than something to just carry your brain around i i can see the same thing in some ways with my mom <clears throat> she's gone through a, a rough life herself uh she mothered gave had four children i'm one of them obviously but she had a rough physical uh challenges she had four hip surgeries two to replace and then two tune-ups i call them and uh, and other issues and and she used to love walking everywhere uh and i it's changed because her ailments have changed her body's chemistry has changed and like you said i think she feels betrayed in some way that something her body's betraying her and and I know she misses in some way being active, more active, but uh, I, I don't know that she would be open to uh, trying on some of these things that you 
present the chair yoga. I don't know that she would do it, but that's okay. Neither here nor there. Um, so in that aspect, when you think about the benefits um, to the body, what, what do you see as benefits to the body when you speak of it as mind, body, breath connection, when we just go into the mechanics of it, and, and that's kind of a hard word to use, but I just look at what we're doing in the poses. What, it, what are those benefits that are coming to the body? Yeah. Um, well, if you think about your spine as being kind of the, the central highway of your body, um, and really all yoga movements, all the asanas emanate from your spine, um, I think that if, if you keep that central highway uh, flexible and uh, resilient, then the, the other stuff, you know, your limbs and your, your, your skull, your hands, your feet are going to hurt less. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that you know, if, if you practice yoga, you're never going to have pain. But I think that if you practice yoga and, you know, you practice it faithfully, it doesn't mean you have to do two hours of yoga every day or even, you know, yoga every day, but like two or three times a week practicing yoga will really help you to get in tune with, with your body to the point where when you do have a pain, let's say you have a pain in your ankle and you kind of circle, you sit in a chair and you circle your ankle around, you might say, oh, wow, when I do this, I'm actually kind of feeling it all the way up in my hip. What mm -hmm. about? And just being curious about how the, how the different um, parts of the body are connected and how one thing can be causing pain in another place, I think is, is a really useful tool to have. Um, you know how when you have a headache, let's say, or when your feet hurt, like you're walking in shoes that don't fit you properly and your feet hurt, like mm -hmm. everything else just sucks, right? Yeah. When you're walking around with that kind of pain. I think when you are a yoga practitioner and you're walking around with a headache or um, with shoes that don't fit well and you're walking, instead of saying, oh God, life sucks you say, well, you know why, Kathy? Because you decided you needed to wear these adorable shoes and that's how your feet are hurting and that's why your knees are hurting and that's why your hips are hurting. So you need to go home and get on some more sensible <laughs> shoes and you know, have a good rest of the day. Um, you could just become more aware. Yeah, well, that's what I was just gonna say. That word aware, I think two things come to mind. One, I think people, when you go into the practice of yoga or any of these movements practices that I'm bringing to this episode, uh, you have to be willing to be aware, willing to be present and willing to actually look inside. And some people will say, well, I don't know how to look inside. I don't get that. And when you practice meditation or just stillness because i i'm not the biggest fan of using the word meditation because of the stigmas that come with it to just help people understand how to be still it's like you're you 
take a step away from your body and you look inside. It's like you're just peering inside your body and you just kind of imagine where are things going on. You know where all your body parts are, so it's not very difficult to just look inside. But I think people have to be willing to be present, uh, willing to look inside and willing to let go of judgment. Yes. I think in any of the movement practices and even uh, general movement, like going for a walk, running, swimming, biking, letting go of judgment in general. And, and unless you're practicing, you know, you're going into some Olympic competition, which, you know, it's a small percentage of people that are doing that uh, to let go of that judgment. Cause all we do is sit and compare, you know, to the next person. I'm certainly really guilty of doing that in, in other ways, but, um, I think what's great about for me with yoga and, uh, I know when my husband speaks about it with, he practices Qigong and he's done Tai Chi, you know, you really start to put you kind of strip away things and you start looking at this, or at least this is how I do it. I look at the skeleton of what's going on in my body. And then I start putting the muscles in place and imagining, cause I don't know all of them by heart, but as you just said, like when you turn your ankle and you're twisted around and you start to feel it, that that movement does go all the way up to the hip. Well, what does that movement feel like? And what could that muscle possibly be? And what are all the things that affect it? Um, because I certainly know, you know, when I'm standing in a pose, let's just say warrior two, Virabhadrasana two, for me, a hard pose simply because um, my scoliosis that I have, I have two curves, one on the top that goes to the right, comes straight out of my occipital bone, it goes to the right into the right rhomboid, and then the lower one goes uh, into the lower lumbars to the left. And so it changes, it, it the, the position of my hips is uh, off kilter. And so when I go into Virabhadrasana on either side, the way my hip feels, particularly when I do it on the right side and my right leg is bent, there's a whole, I have like 10 things I'm thinking about just to stay in that pose mm -hmm. and feel in love with it or feel happy about it, you know? Not because I'm in pain at all. I mean, there are days there's that, but it's more just it's that awareness, that mind-body connection. I can't be thinking about what the hell the next person's doing next to me, or is this an Instagram picture pose or not, but. Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, I've practiced with you a lot, Marlo, and you're, you're I've gotta say, you're far more aware than practically any student I've ever had. Um, and I see that, like I see that as you talk about Virabhadrasana too, I see that when you go into the pose, how um mindful you are about your alignment and you know i i think that that is that's what yoga is to me mm -hmm. that, that awareness um and that um compassion for your own body and for your own health and you're not gonna you're not gonna put yourself in a position that is that you know isn't good for you mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Like I could care less whenever we do a full wheel. I forget what the proper name of it is always, but um, back, but say it again. 
or, or if a, um, oh geez. <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. It'll come to you later. <laughs> I used to be able to do backbends when I was in ballet and gymnastics when I was in grade school, but that's before my spine decided to take a hike in a different direction. And I remember trying back then once <clears throat> early on when I started practicing and I was like, yeah, no, that's just not, we're not doing that. And so many people along the way have, you know, made comments in class. Oh, I love doing back then. I love doing it. It just feels so great and opening. I'm like, yeah, I feel, I'm sure it feels fantastic, but I can find 10 other ways to do those pieces of that pose without compressing my spine and I'm not in this because I'm trying to look better than you. I don't really give a shit. Um, And, you know, in the pieces that I teach um, in my well-being classes, short pieces, as you said, uh, is helping people get aware. That's what I really drive home aside from alignment and get in the pose the way they're supposed to, but just simple things I'm trying to get them to do when they're in their salons or in their businesses and, and getting people to be aware is very difficult. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a real resistance to it, I think. Um, and I think that is getting, getting worse, especially as we're being you know, kind of spoon fed everything and our, our attention deficit is getting greater and greater. And um, we just keep, you know, kind of, bulldozing from one even in a vinyasa class also you've probably been in some of these classes where you just like zip right from you know from one pose to another without really feeling what that pose is yeah it drives me nuts it drives me nuts too and i think is this supposed to be a cardio yoga class because right i i can't see any other benefit of just quickly quickly moving from this to this to this to this Right. Yeah. And that's definitely, you know, in terms of stigmas uh, or categories or whatever, you know, from what yoga originally started as, you know, uh, as you said, it is and in the way that you know it and, and learned and presented it is, it was a series of exercises to prepare your mind, body, breath for meditation. So is so what it's become from that to me is like so in another solar system um and like i said i'm not interested today in going into the spirituality or the sacredness of it because that's a totally deep dive long conversation uh, of where it fits into uh, ayurveda and the practices and where it came from in india um but I think, I think for people in, in why I brought this yoga to the conversation was that I want people to try it on in a simple way instead of, uh, and as you also said, practicing it regularly, because doesn't 15 minutes a day even benefit people, you think? Absolutely, absolutely. 10, 15 minutes a day, Absolutely. And people will say, well, that, how can that possibly benefit me? Well, to me, it's like, well, how does 10 minutes of walking around the block benefit you? And every doctor in the world will tell you to do that three times a day. Of course it benefits you, but you have to be willing to be in the space. 
Exactly. And it just has to become part of your routine, like brushing your teeth. And it doesn't have to be, so if you can, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot with this, but like, so somewhere we're just get going to get started. We know there's a million resources out there, you know, from Yoga Journal, Gaia, One Commune, you name it every time Dick and Harry's got something out there to say about yoga. But um, I would say if you could give guidance on what would be a good resource or a good maybe type of yoga to start with. And then what would be just like, what would 15 minutes look like for someone? Just a random. Yeah. Um, if, if I were going to, if someone were getting started in yoga, first of all, I would strongly suggest that they uh, find a live class with a good teacher, a well, you know, highly recommended teacher um, and take a beginner series, like five or six classes where um, you go through the basic asanas, the, you know, all the basic poses and the different methods of breathing, just so that when you do start practicing on your own or, or with YouTube videos, and there are a lot of good ones out there, there are a lot of terrible ones as well, but when you do start practicing on your own, at least you have more of a grounding in what's proper. Mm-hmm. You know, like the goal of a forward fold, a seated forward fold, isn't to get your head down to your knees. That is, that isn't the goal, at all. Um, and you know, sometimes if if you start with just watching a YouTube video, you might think, especially if it is one of these kind of Instagram, really bendy kinds of people who's teaching the class, you might think that that's the goal. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I would strongly recommend getting started with a teacher in a live setting who's highly recommended. Ask around um, for that. Um, and then what would constitute 15 minutes of, uh, you know, a daily practice? Sun salutation for sure. Um, Surya Namaskar. You know, that, that really is kind of incorporates your entire body as well as some standing um, twists, some standing side bends, and then some seated forward folds and some back bends, always ending with um, a, uh, a Shavasana and just really letting go and letting the bones and muscles just kind of melt into mm-hmm. the earth. And I think, you know, you can do all that in 15 minutes and it will, it, it'll make a huge difference in your daily life yeah so i think you know as we start to wrap up this conversation as i said i mean i think there's so many there have become so many styles styles of yoga and i fully agree with you i I think if people were going to start on this, or even I say this to people who have been practicing a long time, try stepping away from, let's just pretend that whatever you're practicing, whether it's Ashtanga or hot yoga or acro yoga or dance yoga, goat walking on your back, which that one really, I don't understand at all. The goats with yoga, I don't get it. So sorry to those people who are listening. I really don't understand it, but I guess keep doing it if that's what makes you happy. 
what I'm, what I want to say is try stepping away from whatever kind of style you're practicing right now, bring it back down to the full basics, like spot, like truly go back to the basics. And I say, go back and practice Hatha or Iyengar style and hang out in these poses for like 10 breaths and get, see how aware and present you can get because that's what's really, for me, uh, really helped me or in my practice from the get-go was hanging out in these poses for like what felt like an eternity, but that's how I was able to really turn inward and go, what are all my muscles and bones doing and how, <clears throat> not only how can I allow myself to let go, but how can I have this practice be beneficial for me and some of my conditions that I have structurally, you know, how do I make the two work together? So where do I give a little, where do I release a little, where do I push a little, try a little harder because I'm able to make more space. And you can't do that when you're doing Ashtanga or these, you know, uh, roadrunner flow classes or dance yoga, or whatever. And I'm not saying there's, you want to keep doing them, do them. Great. That's, lovely but I think we have in so many ways not just in yoga there's a lot of topics I feel this way about we and you you touched on it you know we're bombarded with so much stuff we've really lost a lot of our sense of being able to be in a foundational space in a very basic space that's very uh uninfluenced unjudge you know non-judgmental and just simple People don't like simple things, like just simple, basic, anything. <laughs> Very few do, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be um, complicated. Right, or jacked up, or a competition, or... Exactly, a competition. I think, I think yoga has become almost competitive. That's not fun. That's no. That's about no, and I think one of the other really important things about yoga for me is breath. Like the whole breathing thing was a big deal because it really helped me understand how to move through some very stuck places in my body that I was having challenges with because of my scoliosis and because of tightness as a result of or whatever. And so I think people forget about that breath, just this uh, a very intentional breath. Um, yeah. yeah. And as I said, you know, it goes right back to how you started that this is yoga is a practice in its purest form to prepare you mind body connection and breath to prepare you for meditation, okay. stillness. So I don't know that you have to need to do gymnastics to do that. But yeah, I don't know. If you want to throw in a handspring at the end, go for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, I think, I think we covered everywhere I want to go. Um, I'm delighted. Thank you for this conversation, Kathy. Um, thank you for bringing your wisdom to it and I appreciate you making space for it. Um, and thank you for being my teacher. I've always, always loved being in your classes and I hope we can do it sometime soon.
All right, so we will, this is one in our episode, uh, series, or well, it's in this episode of three, so we'll have three conversations, so um, as part of movement, so I hope people are inspired to look at yoga in a different way and as a form of movement for themselves, so thank you. Thank you.